Welcome to Pay, Leave, and Power Week on the We Are For Good podcast. All week, we're bringing you candid conversations for the nonprofit sector, and today's day four, and we're talking about the power dynamics and major gifts. We're so glad you're here. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, Becky. Amazing human alert. You guys are in for a treat today. We're so excited to finally be talking to Maria Choi. We have been kind of following her, kind of stalking her for a while. Months. And the way that she shows up online, the way that she has positioned and grown her team to serve our sector and serve for good businesses in a really unique way that's meeting the moment is game changing. And so we're delighted to talk to her. She's the founder and CEO of Raise for Good. We kind of share a last name with you on your name of your business, which is really awesome. We're like too. cousins. <laughs> but you know, she is a first generation Korean American. Maria's life work has been centered on developing education and economic opportunities for women and minorities to thrive in a global economy. She's a strategist, she's a fundraiser, she's a marketer, and she's just casually raised over $125 million through corporations and high net worth individuals. So her partners, I mean, we were kind of geeking out on this partners list, but I mean, she has worked with the Gates Foundation and Reid Hoffman and the Pledge 1% Sesame Workshop. Can we just have an episode talking about that? alone. She is leading this boutique strategy studio, Raised for Good, that helps raise capital, capacity, and visibility for tech and purpose-driven entrepreneurs and organizations globally. And we are completely geeked out. You can hear our values threaded in her story and in the work that she presents. So Maria, welcome to the show. We're so delighted to have you here. Thank you both for having me. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, we've literally been counting down the days. So take us back to your story. I mean, your origin story and really your lived experience, I know had kind of paved this path for how you're showing up today. Will you kind of take us back to growing up and tell us a little bit about what led you to start Raise for Good? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of taking it way back, my mom was supported by an NGO during the Korean War. Uh, And so she really instilled giving back and volunteering um, in our family at a very young age. So when kids were probably playing outside in elementary school, I was volunteering at the nursing home every week. Um, And that really inspired me to get into social impact work. Well, I love that. Just, I think it's anytime we meet a founder who kind of connects the dots back to something that happened in child and those formative years can be so impactful. It's just the greatest stories because your empathy that's baked in um, just seems, um, I, I don't know, more pure and authentic. And we just love what you're doing over at Raise for Good. And I, I think one of the things that is so interesting to us as we watch kind of your thought leadership unpack is just the dignified way that you talk about how we need to be making some shifts in the philanthropic uh, industry. And so I want to talk a little bit about power dynamics today. And we have really attempted to try to talk about the disparity specifically in DEI and nonprofits and the power dynamics and the shifts of just how our organizations are just not equitable, not in the way that we hire, not in the way that we bring people in from a board perspective, even the way that we engage and the way that we cultivate. And so I would love for you to kind of dive into um, this 
shift in power dynamics that you're seeing because leaders of color are often in the driver's seat of social and economic change, yet they're entirely underestimated and underfunded. So can you share a little bit more about this and paint that picture for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I think we can talk about this all day. Forever. <laughs> um, but I think we know that philanthropies you know, burst from, you know, periods of extreme wealth in our country um, and a lot of the this problematic systems that exist. It's a product of that system. Um, so I think, you know, we are all pretty well aware of that, but I do think there is an opportunity. Um, and we've known this, I think we've dedicated our life's work to this, but there's an opportunity for those in powers of position and wealth and privilege to think and do differently. Um, so we're really a couple key things that we want um, to contribute to as we think about changing power dynamics and philanthropy is really uh, thinking about trust-based partnerships, um, just thinking inherently that there's a funder and there's someone who's asking for money. And how do we really looking, look at it as a true partnership? Uh, so where does that trust-based approach to philanthropy come in? So a few things. That means, one, increasing capacity building in grantees. Um, two is hiring people to give out the funds who have lived experience or can deeply empathize or understand issues facing communities that uh, funders are investing in. Uh, three is providing more unrestricted funding and loosening reporting structures. There's often this challenge of nonprofits have too much overhead, but then you're asking them to do a lot of this complicated reporting and be able to uh, prove the impact in less than a year. So really just the the structure and how funding is given um, and expected to prove is really challenging. Uh, so one example I give is in the venture capital industry, um, you know, I live and work in San Francisco. I work with tons of tech companies pre-post IPO, uh, and they're raising hundreds of millions in venture funding. They believe in the leader and their vision. They get decades sometimes of runway to prove out their model before some of them are not even profitable. Um, and so there's a huge disconnect in the expectations for nonprofit leaders versus how we look at it um, on the other side of the coin. I love that you're lifting this up because I think it's fascinating just from a business perspective of you're trying to compete in a landscape where some of the biggest entities don't even have to be profitable for such a long runway. And you think about what that's doing, you know, holistically, and you're looking at the inequitable lending practices too in our sector. I mean, lean more into that. Like how can you kind of continue to lift the veil? Because I think this is a new conversation for at least our show and we want to lift that topic and everywhere we're going. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, don't quote me on the stats. We can put those in later. Um, <laughs> one of our past clients, All Raise, is a community that's looking to increase funding for women um, in, in venture. So there's a huge movement uh, that we're seeing in who is funding, both on the for-profit and nonprofit side, um, and who gets the funding and how much. So I think collectively, all of um, these sectors are interdependent on each other, really. So in our world of philanthropy, that's why we work with nonprofits, uh, foundations, and companies, because it's really building those bridges to lift you know, all the boats. And we need to see the for-profit sector investing more in women and leaders of color. And we're seeing that momentum being built right now. Um, and it's really exciting to see. And then we need to see that trickle down to the ph philanthropic sector. I'm just so proud of you for doing this work. I'm so heartened 
that you're doing this work. It is so needed. And, and there's, there are unlimited statistics that show when you invest in women, when you invest in people of color, the growth and the scale is so mighty. And I, I wondered if you could just talk to us a little bit about how you go in and start to change some of these mindsets. And I mean, even like a common, any common myths that people may have around this, we want to dispel them and sort of set a new path for how we need to be moving forward with these equitable discussions. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we could talk about this all day. Um, but I just see, you know, raise for good as um, a vessel, right, to be able to, again, I really see it ourselves as bridge builders, um, bringing my lived experience, I can understand what a very early stage um, nonprofit leader of color is experiencing as a first time founder, and be able to apply my direct experience to help coach them to build their agency to create a sustainable organization. Um, on the flip side, I've worked, you know, with billionaires and millionaires and just had the privilege of building partnerships with companies um, and those in positions to give out the funds. And I think, again, we play, we all play a part. Um, and so at Raise for Good, we really believe in connecting those dots um, and being that bridge builder and really putting impact at the center. So if you're a funder and you're giving away hundreds of millions of dollars, why are you doing what you're doing? You actually want to transform communities, I hope. Uh, and so really putting the impact uh, as the North Star front and center, I think we kind of forget that as philanthropy professionals. Um, there's a lot of work to do, uh, but really always bringing it back to the impact. So if funders truly want to create impact, we're going to challenge you to um, really look at how you're doing the work you're doing. Uh, and the current way of one year investments with a lot of hoops um, that you have to jump through, is that really the best return on investment for you, um, for your legacy or the impact you want to create? So I love to kind of put it back on funders in a, in a respectful way and kind of challenge uh, the how uh, and the way that they're operating to achieve that impact. Oh, Maria is shaking it up and I am here <laughs> for it. These questions are so important and we, we need to, we need to be able to pose them. And if you're working in a culture where you, again, to the power dynamic conversation where you don't think you can lift these questions that challenge equity and challenge what is the true impact, then we're not doing our mission, the great service. And I, I think there's a component of bravery here that I, that I really love about what you're saying and just feeling confident enough to speak up. So thank you for doing that. And gosh, everybody grab your moxie. You can do this too. I yeah. feel like this is something that we want people to feel equipped to do that they can do on their own as well. Yeah. And we hear a lot about agency and I think I'm, I'm a living example of that. Right. Um, my parents worked really, really hard. Um, I had to navigate my own education career. Um, just growing up as a low income kid, my parents were working six days a week. Um, but I do believe that, you know, it, when you build that agency, you can neutralize those power dynamics. And I hope that our Raise for Good team can be um, a living example of that to inspire our clients, other partners, funders, um, 
you know, in the community that it's possible. And we teach our clients both how to navigate existing systems and power dynamics that exist, for example, when you're asking for funds, and we want to teach them how to build their own earned revenue or sustainable revenue models so they're not completely dependent on philanthropy. Um, And I think how you walk in the room, you know, says says a lot, uh, whether that's in person or virtually now, that's been really interesting. But again, when you know your purpose and why you're here on this earth and what you're here to do, and you can show, be 10 steps ahead of the funder and answer all their questions before they have a chance to answer it, I guarantee you, you're probably going to get that funding. Okay. Just so leaned into this conversation because you don't see the walls, Maria, and you're my favorite type of person, you know, because you're focused and centered on impact. And it's like, how do we all get to that place where the money doesn't seem crazy anymore? It doesn't seem astronomical. It doesn't seem like too much. Like, but that is a retraining of a scarcity, I would say legacy that our entire sector embraces. So, I mean, what are you seeing in terms of the way, or maybe a great example of where the walls go apart and you've got corporations coming together and really making magic with a nonprofit or a a do good business to really kind of actually do something, you know, and not just work in different places at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just had a little gathering in person a few days ago of close friends um, who are leads of social impact at companies. Um, So I'll just name a few, but Roxana at Zoom, she's really transforming the way that um, funders, particularly in the corporate sector, think about funding. Uh, They take a completely community-based approach. So she has no power or pull herself, nor do the Zoom executives or board um, on who's receiving the funds. And they fund a lot of early stage grassroots organizations led by leaders of color. So that's very progressive. Um, And there's a lot of trust-based funders out there. That's something I want to demystify with nonprofit leaders. There's really um, aligned, true partnership-focused funders. And I've experienced that my whole life as a fundraiser directly and now more as a coach uh, with our partners. So folks like Olivia PagerDuty, Erin at Okta, Kathy at Pinterest, Admas at Digital Ocean. There's so many funders who truly either bring their nonprofit and lived experience to these seats. And that's what we want to see is more folks with lived experience who truly understand the problems they're trying to solve in these funding seats. Hey friends, we're taking a quick pause to quite literally invite you into this conversation. We really want to hear from you and hear about your personal experiences and the topics that we're unpacking this week as part of Pay, Leave, and Power Week. So head on over to weareforgood.com slash power, and there you're going to find a place where you can share your story confidentially through our secure form that's there, or you can even leave us an anonymous voice message if you want to add your actual voice to the conversation. You know we'd love to hear from you either way. That's weareforgood.com slash power. And while you're there, we've also designed the page to lead you into action within your organization. Here you can connect with this week's guest and get a deep roundup of resources and access to frameworks and scripts to help you get this conversation started as we begin changing the trajectory of these deeply rooted problems that are plaguing our sector. We hope to see you there. I just love what you're saying. I love how you've shown up in this entirely unique way and you're 
pushing this conversation in a new direction. But I'm really curious about your founding story for Raise for Good. Tell us how you can how you moved from funder into seeing this need. And we'd love to know just how you started and what that experience was like. Absolutely. So I, I kind of mentioned my upbringing and I spent the first half of my career looking what what supports a low-income kid like me would need to thrive. Um, so spent time at UNICEF, um, zero to five, uh, Sesame Street, early childhood education, and the critical importance of access to early childhood. I'm encouraged to see more and more of a conversation there. Co.org, K through 12, can we create any systems-wide change there in our very fragmented education system, after school, um, enrichment programming. Uh, and then I just felt a sense of um, in the next phase of my career, what is my purpose? And I really heard and felt that it was to empower other women and leaders of color uh, to increase their own economic potential. And so that's really our North Star uh, at Race for Good and why we're doing what we do. Um, also, having been at legacy organizations to very small startups, I've seen kind of, I've worn all the hats, um, I've seen all the challenges. And I, as we think about the future of work, I think there's a need that I saw in the market to help support companies at an early or growth stage. And you need different sets of skills as you're in these very quickly moving uh, phases of growth and change. Again, kind of looking at the venture world and the startup world on the for-profit side, um, they are able to move quickly and be nimble and agile. And, and I really want to bring that type of um, skill set uh, to the work that we do at Raise for Good. So it's very difficult, for example, to hire a fundraiser. It's it's uh, <laughs> most of us are not actively fundraising anymore. Uh, and as a very early stage organization, your needs or the way that your fundraising could change within a year. So for example, if you're looking for that unicorn major gifts officer, but then you learn you're building, you know, you're selling your product and you're able to generate your own revenue, um, things quickly change. And so the investment for nonprofits in particular, I saw, you know, you kind of need a Swiss army knife group of skill sets until you become self-sustaining and build that long-term organization. So that's where we come in at Race for Good um, and be that partner alongside you to build the right strategy and do hopefully help you hire the right team. And then we fly away. <laughs> fly away. And I mean, I've heard it a couple of times now in your words and kind of in just the way that y'all wrap around organizations that you partner with is this idea of sustainability and building sustainable organizations. So will you talk about that? I mean, what has kind of set the stage for how we are today and how can we move to becoming more sustainable in our different organizations? Absolutely. So our model, when I look again at the core foundational elements of what's going to make a sustainable organization. So to us, that model is strategy, storytelling, and scale, which is a nice way of saying operations. Um, it's, you know, that foundation is so critical. So an example is Beyond 12. They're an amazing organization led by an unbelievable leader, Alex Bernadotte, and they support first-generation college students uh, through a mentoring program as well as platform. So an example is Alex is 
phenomenal uh, with deep lived experience, and she's raised tens of millions of dollars in philanthropic funding. Um, But also, they have an app that they sell to different community colleges and organizations that help nudge students to change their behaviors and be able to pursue their college degrees. Um, And so they have an earned income model. Um, They very smartly acquired another nonprofit. So I think this is a trend as we're seeing in the space where they acquired another nonprofit for their technology as well as their engineering team. And so we helped them through this acquisition and they were able to create um, a financial model where they will become majority self-sustaining in in less than five years. So that's an example of what we mean by sustainability of nonprofit leaders thinking really creatively um, to set their organizations up to serve more young people in the most efficient way possible. Gosh, I want to thank you for filling that need. Because, you know, we talk a lot about scarcity, like within the nonprofit sector. And it's like, however, if we could get into a growth mindset, if we could even have a little bit of runway to innovate, to cast some dreams. I mean, we talked to Dan Pallotta and he's like, if you're, if people are not laughing at your dream, it's not big enough. And you have given the, these nonprofits that little bit of exhale to say, okay, we're going to pause from the from the 10,000 tactical things we're going to do today. And we're going to talk about something that's going to go to the root, to the systemic problem. And we're going to rewire all of this. And you used the ugly word earlier in your conversation, the dirty word in nonprofit, which was overhead um, a little bit ago. And this word plagues us. It haunts us. And I, I want to get your perspective a little bit about that because we think overhead is us. When people say, I don't want to pay for overhead, it's like, oh, you don't want to pay for people? You don't want to pay for systems? You don't want to take for for innovation? And I think there's just a misperception around this, not only with funders, but with people who work in nonprofits. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and how you've seen power dynamics impact what I'm using in air quotes overhead in terms of paid leave policies, you know, pay, um, time off, well-being. I mean, I just want to give you the floor and let you run. Yeah. And I think well-being is such a big piece of that too, right? We are, um, we are burdened as nonprofit leaders to be able to do it all. Um, and again, the systems that have been created have perpetuated the massive burnout Um, in the nonprofit sector. Um, I'm shaking off my own scarcity mindset and literal poverty, you know, just from my background in um, feeling like I don't deserve to make any money. Um, I didn't come from that background. And it took me, you know, 15 years to be able to afford to become an entrepreneur and take that risk um, at Raise for Good. So I think there's a lot of um, messaging that we as leaders have to unpack. And I still struggle with that. Raise for Good is a bootstrap small business. Um, And I'm really focusing on my why 
uh, my purpose and my mindset. And that's where, again, it's not about race for good. We are kind of behind the scenes, really being um, a support and a partner to our amazing clients. Uh, They are the stars. They're the ones every day, day in, day out, doing the real work. And I hope that we can be a small part of um, helping to um, provide safe space to think about different strategies. How do I approach that funder when there's this power dynamic? I hope we can um, just be an encouragement and really empower leaders, particularly leaders of color, to keep going, to be their cheerleader, um, again, to be that safe space. And I hope bring some of our lessons learned to help them um, do what they are already doing so amazingly well uh, and bring some capacity, bring a new idea, um, just help bring a different perspective um, when it's such a lonely path. and. Mm-hmm and a huge burden to carry not only to be an example for your team, but also um, the communities you're serving. So um, it's such a huge disservice, but I am encouraged again, as we see ourselves as a bridge to see funders who were educators, right? Now they're leading foundations. Um, I'm excited to see the shift in the sector. Again, we all have to work together and I don't want it to be siloed or polarized. Um, and I do think we're making progress and I hope that we're seeing funders invest in that new profit is doing a great job with capacity building. We work with great organizations like village capital, KPOR center, um, you know, JLH fund. There's so many funders out there who understand the need to invest in wellness and capacity building for nonprofit leaders. Well, the point of well-being, um, really lands. Cause I mean, we identify as a company, as a startup, you know, we came from a nonprofit and they both have their own grind. And I think you put them together. People that you're working with are moving at an incredible pace with a lot of pressure. What is, you know, what's your advice to them as you coach? Cause I know you have slid into this role where you're coaching and mentoring so many that are facing this. How do you advise, you know, people to really not just weather, but like thrive in the midst of such a challenging time or season of a business or a company organization? Yeah, it's such a great question. And add COVID, right? Year right. three of that, the tragedies all around the world um, uh, every day, um, let alone family um, needs and supports. Yeah. Um, so there's just, it's a huge burden. Um, and I would say I don't have the answer, but again, I just hope that raise for good, for example, or everything you guys are doing, like if we all play our part to better support nonprofit leaders, then I hope they feel um, that they have that little bit of extra um, energy or motivation to keep going. And the burnout is so real. Um, And so I hope we can show on both sides of the coin that this change is really challenging, but it can also be joyful. And I believe that um, self-care is hugely important. And I will say I'm a work in progress myself, right? And so for me, I'm really assessing, um, you know, what is my purpose and how can I best contribute um, to moving the needle here? And for me, it is about still uh, working on myself as a leader and um, a shift in my mindset. 
So I hope that building a community of like-minded individuals will help other nonprofits feel less alone. And I hope we can bring in a sprinkling of new ideas and new ways of working to make this work more sustainable while really pulling that call to action and partnering with funders um, to ease these burdens in the way that they do um, the grant making work. I echo and reflect everything that you just said. And, you know, we had uh, our last theme week was mental health week last fall, fall 2021. And if anyone missed it, I highly encourage you to go back and go listen to it. And there's a reason that we wanted to wrap a a week around just talking about our mental health, because the biggest takeaway I took from that was we're not okay. Okay. We are not okay in the nonprofit sector, in the social impact sector, and we have to start not only socializing, you know, these issues and what's happening, but we have to talk about them and figure out how to how to learn and grow and do something differently. When you're in community, you know, the compassion fatigue doesn't feel as acute, you know, the burnout doesn't feel as you know, oppressive. And so I wonder just from an, from an action standpoint, because we don't ever just want to be a community that talks. We want to get active. We want to change cultures, mindsets, and dynamics. You know, we have a wide listening audience from nonprofit leaders to young professionals. And I wonder if you have just any advice for them, you know, whether you're a leader or whether you're a first time someone in the nonprofit, where could someone start on this journey for building more equity in their organization? What would be one little tip that you would give? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think again, this is a very complex question, but my hope for starters is that funders will do their part, right? So going back to what you said around equity, that will enable nonprofit leaders to offer more competitive packages. Um, they should frankly be paid more, right, for the work that they're doing. And how do we normalize that? Um, how do we build capacity and leadership development for nonprofit leaders so that nonprofit leaders can walk the walk um, be a model for their teams, the communities that they serve, um, often young people, to inspire them and collectively show that um, while the work that we do is so, I think, ingrained in our values, um, our identity often, that um, if we're not you know, taking care of ourselves, we can't take care of others. So I think it starts with the funding side. Um, I hope that will, um, you know, continue to to change the way that nonprofits operate as well. Um, and one example is an amazing organization called the Highland Project, led by Gabrielle Wyatt. Um, her background is in education and policy. She leads the Highland Project. Um, which is a leadership program and movement to invest in female Black leaders to build um, generational wealth. And so one of their core pillars, uh, their education, economic development, um, policy change is wellness. So getting radical about putting wellness at the front and center. Um, so they both invest in Black female leaders in those areas and really um, are putting so much weight around the realities of um, how critical wellness is. So it's it's great to see her leadership there. Um, 
And I'm excited to see other funders, for example, like Pinterest and Harry's that focus on mental health, wellness, and investing in leaders like Gabrielle um, to be able to create that community ecosystem coalitions uh, to actually do this work uh, to solve huge, huge, you know, this will take generations to solve these issues. I mean, I keep hearing you say the word hope, you know, and it's not lost on me that you're in this position where you see so much and you see a lot of the good of humanity coming together too. But I do think you have such a great point that it's not going to work if we just sit on this little podcast and say, here's the plan. Like it's going to take each of us going into the spaces that we have influence and we have an ability to speak up privilege and to lean into that and work at one funder at a time, one conversation at a time, because it is such a big systemic thing. And so I hope whoever's listening is thinking about who in their sphere of influence, they can start to have that conversation because there is a lot of hope and we're like ridiculous idealists around here. I always see the hope. Um, and I guess I want to throw that together with a story from you. Maria, you get to be, I mean, in these spaces where you see these partnerships come together to change the world or a community, you know, and I got to think that philanthropy for you has a really deep meaning being on the fundraising side and now at Raise for Good. What's a story of philanthropy that's really moved your heart and has stuck with you? We'd love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm very encouraged um, to have had the privilege of working with a lot of what I call authentic partners. And so I think there's probably many stories that I could tell, um, but one close to my personal life is working with um, a funder, Ann Wintrobe, who used to lead the AT&T Foundation. And I was a fundraiser at, I think, three or four organizations um, where I got to know Anne and partnered with her. And I had never experienced um, someone who truly wanted to listen and understand the problems really deeply in education um, and youth development. And it changed my perception of funders, frankly. You know, I always personally, being a fundraiser of color, there aren't many of us. Um, coming from my background, I felt that power dynamic very strongly. I'm a very high empath. Um, and so she showed me that you can create true partnerships where they're honoring your lived experience, that um, the level of respect and care that she brings to her approach to grant making and funding um, while also pushing the boundaries within that community and within huge organizations like an AT&T, um, they actually exist. So it's a little bit of encouragement to nonprofit leaders. Um, and again, trying to um, connect the dots and, you know, bring the right, the matches together um, really gave me hope. And um yeah, through three or four jobs and funded me. Um, she's an advisor for Raise for Good. We continue to partner and collaborate. We live in the same neighborhood. Um, oh so just gosh. really encouraged by the power of authentic relationships. I mean, what a great story. And I, I love that you just kind of connected with the shared love that you all had. And that is what connected you to each other. And it's just eerie that you are actually proximately very close, but it's so great because 
that in and of itself is going to lend itself to having more conversations about this. And I think when you surround yourself with, to your point earlier, like-minded people who are chasing the same things you are, you're doing it in community and it doesn't feel as daunting. And so we end all of our conversations, Maria, with a one good thing. And we want to know what you would give to our audience today. If it's a mantra, quote, what's your one good thing? Yeah, I think... I just want to leave with that change can be joyful. It's painful. It's real. Um, but I hope when we work together, we see each other as humans. Um, and again, it's great to work with people who are like you, but I also encourage everyone to work with many people who are not like you. Again, I think there's some shared element that we can find as humans together. And um, yeah, just hope that we can continue building um, authentic relationships. Cause I think that's how we're, we're going to, um, we're going to make progress. Okay. Maria, how can everyone listening connect with you and connect with raise for good and all the kind of share a little bit of what y'all have going on and where you can find on social. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can shoot me an email, Maria at raiseforgood.com. <laughs> Check out our website. Um, we're on LinkedIn and we're really focused right now on how do we address changing power dynamics in philanthropy. So we have conversations every few months. We'd love for you all to join. Um, and yeah, I think really focusing on building capacity for, for leaders of color is our focus. So excited to be a part of this community. Well, thank you so much. And I want to give a second plug just to go find Maria on LinkedIn. We've had such a heavy emphasis this year on one of the trends we're seeing emerging is leaders as thought leaders. And if you want a dynamic thought leader to follow, Maria's post on LinkedIn blow my mind. And I there's not enough, like there's not an opportunity for me to throw a gif on there of like someone giving a standing ovation. But <laughs> I love how you're showing up on LinkedIn. I love your word choice. I love your humility. And again, honestly, that hope is threaded in even the challenges that you present. So please go follow Marie on LinkedIn and just keep having your mind evolve because we're all on this journey and it's going to be better when we're in it together. So thank you, Maria. We're so just lucky to have this time with you and just rooting for you all and your team at Raise for Good. Likewise. Thanks so much. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing, if you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. 
Can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.